With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is The High Road with author and registered psychotherapist, Dr. Marlene Bizzub. Dr. Marlene speaks to the heart of people who need to be lifted up and get out of the muck and mire that often accompanies major life changes, such as divorce or separation. Dr. Marlene will aspire to help parents of divorce to love their children more than they hate their ex and to learn to take The High Road. So please welcome the host of The High Road, Dr. Marlene. Good morning or good afternoon, depending on where you are. This is Dr. Marlene, and you're watching The High Road on Bold Brave TV Network. My guest today, who is a returning guest and always a good guest when she is on, is Dr. Linda Lights. And, you know, I did not bother to get out your um, your bio, Linda. So, you know what? If they will put you on, I will just let you tell everyone about yourself. All righty. I am uh, the doctorate is in uh, personal financial planning, so I can't give anyone a prescription or therapize them. <laughs> um, and I'm the co-owner and founder of Peace of Mind Financial Planning. We do integrated financial planning. And as you know, we also work with people in the midst of and after divorce. Yes. Yes. And you do great work, but I think you would agree this is really hard work. And we have to yeah. learn to take the high road a lot in these cases. Yes, absolutely. And it's um, what I find very often with people is that starting with their money, not necessarily from a quantitative standpoint, but what do you want your life to look like? Mm -hmm. You know, what does scare you about this divorce? Are you afraid you won't have a nice place to live? Are you afraid that you're going to have to work the rest of your life? Are you afraid? Um, and you know this one that you're never going to see your children. Uh, when we start with those things, we fill the money in around them. And that's really kind of, yes. that's the way really to do financial planning in general. I didn't mention I'm a certified financial planner either or an enrolled agent with the IRS, which always scares everybody. I don't work, <laughs> work with them. Um, and uh, just really starting with, this is a new chapter in your life. It may or may not be one that you saw coming or that you wanted, but mm -hmm. let's talk about what you would like to have in the next chapter of your life. And then the money from there can kind of fill it out. And also just educating people. A lot of times people don't realize that 
They don't necessarily want to swap cash assets or non-taxable assets for retirement assets because those retirement accounts are going to need to be um, taxed someday. So, and a lot of states like Colorado does not tax adjust things. So a dollar in a retirement account might look the same on a spreadsheet as a dollar in a non-retirement account, but they're not the same once you need to utilize them. Yes, and people don't know, this is what I always say about this, whether it's the financial part of the parenting time part, people don't know what they don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. We see that all the time. And people are people have things that are their unique abilities and other things that aren't. Everybody has to have a basic understanding of can I spend this much and how much do I make? But a lot of for a lot of really smart people, that's where it ends. And just having someone say this is how these are different and here's what you're doing for this one and here's what you're doing for that one is really helpful to a lot of people because they, as you, and you said it perfectly, Dr. Marlene, they don't know what they don't know. They know that they have maybe a net worth that, pe- that uh, their accountant or their financial advisor has told them is good. They may or may not understand how all those financial pieces fit together. And of course, in your area of expertise, how those financial pieces work with the parenting plan can be huge. And a lot of people don't realize that um, as I was thinking about the show before we started today, I was thinking, you know, we, even though some of it comes as a surprise when we have kids, we know before we have kids, I don't want to say it's the end of the world as we know it because it's a positive thing. But when we have kids, we know our lives are going to change. And a lot of times we may not realize all the ways our lives change. I mean, clearly, if you've got a child and you're the only parent or you're a co you and your your spouse or your partner have this child, you can't just decide to go out to dinner and leave the child at home by his or herself by themselves when they're preschoolers. That's a very bad idea. You get in a lot of trouble with the law if they find out about that. And there's good reason for it. Well, yes, with money, you know, your child, um, people will say, oh, I get a tax deduction with this child won't be enough. (laughs) Right. Don't ever have kids for the for the tax deductions, because you're not going to come out ahead with tax deductions based on what it just costs for the care and feeding of a young person. Yes. And the same with child support. I mean, with our cases, people think that child support is going to cover everything or even half. And it doesn't. No. And that's such a good point, Dr. Marlene, because one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is, let's just say the kids live with me um, the vast majority of the time and their father um, pays me child support. Well, not only does his child support not cover everything, but I'm expected, if you look at the formula for child support, it has what is the um, what is the primary parent, the one who has the children in their home the most time, what are they expected to contribute? And that's not going to cover everything for the children. It's not going to cover discretionary things like are they in a sport? Are they in band or, or theater, something like that? And also, it's not going to cover, is your home big enough for a child? Um, most of us don't want to live in a one-bedroom apartment or an efficiency apartment with 
another person, even if it's a little person. And having to have a two or three bedroom place, the child support is not necessarily going to even come close to covering that part of what your household needs to look like financially mm-hmm. because there's another human being or so in it. One or two right. human beings. Yeah. And it increases things like your electric bill and your water bill and things like that that people don't realize. Yes. Um, a, a friend of mine has a, uh, has a child who's hearing impaired. And he said, mm-hmm. it was good news, bad news when texting came out because you paid per text, <laughs> basically. And he said she could finally keep up with her friends, but it cost a lot of money on the cell phone bill. And he was happy to have her have that. But but that there are just things, whether it's clothing or like you said, that's such a perfect example, utilities and mm-hmm. groceries. If I go to the grocery store for myself and my kids, first of all, I may get some things that I wouldn't normally get for me because I'm not going to eat a Lunchable or um, fruit pops or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's not like I can say, well, this part of the food is for the child or my children. And this other part of the food is mine. No, you buy food and the family, the household, the food. And so it's not that clear of, well, now that I have a child, this is what's going to happen exactly to my grocery budget. Right, right. And there, like you said, there's no way to separate that out. I mean, a carton of milk is a carton of milk. And how do you say how much each person's going to consume? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So true. And you know what always cracks me up, too, and I will put it that way, is when parents say the parent paying the child support says, I want to know how it is spent. And I think you and I actually talked about this on here before, or I know I have, and I'm pretty sure it was with you. But they do not, the court does not make the parent receiving the child support explain where every penny goes. But I tell the parent who wants that, you would be surprised and you really don't want to see it because you're going to find out if anything you're underpaying because it's going to cost more than what you're paying. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and um, I've heard the the legal folks in our, in our uh, family law community say, technically the child support is for the child, which is true, but you're absolutely right. It basically goes into the household budget and helps support a household that supports the child. And as you said, if we went through and said, this is how much their clothes cost, this is how much the utilities have gone up, this is how much the groceries are different, this is, especially if we get into discretionary things like um, that are real true enhancements to a a growing child's life, like extracurricular activities, Mm -hmm. child support is not coming close to covering everything and even covering a proportionate amount. Can I just say the proportionality, I think, is also one of those things that the formula, the child support formula in every state where I've seen it addresses. But I don't think people realize that and they don't realize it when they start negotiating on things that aren't covered by child support. If one spouse makes $50,000 a year and I'm going to use just easy math because it makes it easier and the other spouse makes $100,000 a year, you the one who makes a hundred too often says, well, I'll pay my half. It's not half. Right. (laughs) You know, in that particular instance, 
the the one who's making fifty thousand needs about two thirds of the support of what it's going to cost to to have that child in their home. And yes, if the person if the kiddos spend more than more than half of their time or a lot of their time in the household of the higher paying uh, the higher earning uh, parent, well the the lower earning parent is still going to have to contribute something. And so often when parents start talking about things like soccer camp or just camp camp and um, the instrument for band and so forth, they st the, the, the assumption too often is, well, let's divide it in half. Well, if I'm making yes. $30,000 a year and you're making $200,000 a year co-parent, then having me pay half of the tuba is not going to, it's going to have a much bigger impact on my ability just to support myself, much less our child when that child is with me. So some sense of, of proportionality because yeah, a home, I'm going to have to pay for a home no matter what. I can't afford a home like a $200,000 household can if I'm making 30,000 and I certainly mm -hmm pay half of everything for the kids and child support takes that into account for the basics. They're going to have that lesser earning parent expected to contribute less, even if the child spends more of their time with them. Yes. Yes. Well, and some of those activities, like you mentioned, we might think, okay, the fee is, you know, a hundred dollars, but we forget, especially with things like ice hockey, it's very expensive and you forget well you've got to get skates and you've got to get equipment and you've got to get you know uniforms and pads and then like you said you have to go to camp or yeah. you have to get lessons or you know whatever it may be and sometimes teens then when kids get a little older will travel and they just don't take all that into account they're like yeah i'll pay my portion of the fee and you're right they often say my half and it's like, I get that there's two parents, but there's a great disparity in income and it's not going to be half. No. And that's, um, there are, there are two really types of states in terms of how they even divide property in a family law situation. There's community property, which a lot of people think of. And that's basically for the most part, half is half is what each person gets. They take into account inheritances, which were intended for only one of the spouses, one of the parents, and they take into account gifts and things like that in some cases in community property states or even income from some of those assets. But basically, community property says we're going to divide this down the middle, the Solomon method, as I call it, just going to cut this baby in half here. When it comes to equitable distribution states, like Colorado and Kansas and, and some of the other states, what, it, what they expect is equitable, which may or may not be equal. So equitable, and I both know equitable and equal come from, both come from the Latin words, but they, they don't mean the same thing. Equal, we all know what that means. Equitable means fair, and boy is fair in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> yes. You know, so um, somebody who uh, who says I worked so hard during our marriage and I brought in lots of money and look at all the assets, the retirement accounts, the big house, the, you know, all the nice things that we have. So I think it's only fair that since I brought in all this money, I should get most of it. 
And that's not how the courts look at it. The no. courts say whether you knew it or not, you were in both a financial agreement and a romantic agreement with this person that's now not going to be your spouse anymore. And part of that agreement was that if you were out making most of the money, that person was building a home, was taking care of kids. And those things didn't pay, but you had a lot more autonomy and freedom to go do the things that you were doing to make more money because you had this other person home burning the home fires, if you will. Now, a lot of times people will say, well, I was always upset with my spouse because they spend too much time at the spa or spend too much time playing bridge or didn't really keep the house clean. We had a house cleaner. And at some point the answer is, and what did you do about that? At what point did you say, this isn't working the way I want it to, because you can't have that go on for 20 or 30 years and then say, oh, I've had enough and I want to take all the money and leave. No, if you quite frankly put up with it for a long time, even though it wasn't the arrangement you wanted, then you, tacitly agreed to it and the court yes. unless that person truly squandered squandered money gambling spending it on another person who wasn't in the family whatever then we're going to do a fair distribution and that probably means the lesser earner the person who is having to restart a life financially and from a career perspective we're probably going to give them more of the assets if if we don't divide it equally and if we do divide it equally the spousal maintenance be maybe very attention getting. Yes. Yes. Well, and often that spouse that was taking care of the kids was still working and they might've been working part-time. They might've been working full-time, but you usually have one who is more the caretaker of the children and the one who was earning more money. And like you said, that other parent is really freeing them up to work longer hours and make more money. They don't acknowledge a lot of times that that's what was happening. Yes. And do you, what do you see, Dr. Marlene, on how that impacts the kids' relationship a lot of times with both parents? Do you feel like, um, I mean, I'm sure we've all seen some situations where uh, one of the spouses really just didn't have much of a relationship with the kids because they were always out working. Um, right. What do you think in terms of once there are two households, how does that impact the family relations? Well, I can tell you often because it affects child support, parenting time affects child support. Often that parent who was absent a lot and made all the money, but they were absent a lot, they want 50-50 and the kids have no relationship with them. Or they might have a relationship, but it's very surfacey. You know, mm -hmm. it's a, a surface relationship. It's not a deep caregiving relationship. Like I talk to you about all my problems when I come home from school and you help me do my homework and I talk to you about friends and you know what activities I like. This parent who's been making all the money often knows very little about their children and yet they want 50-50 time. And it's like, you weren't there to kiss their owies, you know, and they, they don't trust you or come to you for deep personal needs that they might have. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that just, that goes on through adulthood, uh, you know, as a parent of three now in their thirties, 
my my youngest is turning 30, you know, and now that they're all really, 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 really grown, um, we still have to we still have to admit the the importance of that relationship and work it. And yes. if, if we don't work it, it deteriorates even if it was good when they were kid when they were little kids. Well it does and it becomes a whole different animal when they're grown because my child too is in his 30s 33 and boy it's a different relationship when they're grown it really is it really is it's not exactly a friendship but it's also not just the i'm your parent and i'm going to take care of you and tell you what you do <laughs> right well and as you pointed out that whatever relationship you developed as they were growing up carries over into their adult life for sure yes yeah, 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 yeah. More carries over. Yes, yes. Well, we have a lot more to talk about, and we're going to take a quick break. But I always really appreciate the information you have, Linda. This is Dr. Marlene. You're watching The High Road on Bold Brave TV Network. We'll be right back. What if there were a super tiny device that could diagnose the brain and is smaller than a single human hair? What if you could see inside the brain to help an epilepsy patient during surgery or to help the fight against Parkinson's disease? Dr. Patricia Broderick is proud to announce the Broderick Probe, a biomedical and electronic breakthrough. Imagine a probe to help with the understanding and potential cure of brain-related diseases. To learn more, listen live to the Easy Sense Radio Show with host Dr. Broderick, Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Bold Brave Media Network and TuneIn Radio. And to help support the Broderick Foundation, please go to EasySense.com and learn how, with your help, we can fight these horrific brain disorders. That's EasySense.com to learn more and help support the Broderick Foundation. Author, radio show host, and coach John M. Hawkins reveals strategies to help gain perspective, build confidence, find clarity, achieve goals. John M. Hawkins' new book, Coached to Greatness, unlock your full potential with limitless growth. Published by iUniverse, Hawkins reveals strategies to help readers accomplish more. He believes the book can coach them to greatness. Hawkins says that the best athletes get to the top of their sport with the help of coaches, mentors, and others. He shares guidance that helps readers reflect on what motivates them rediscover and assess their core values, philosophies, and competencies, find settings that allow them to be the most productive, and track their progress towards accomplishing goals. Listen to John Hawkins' My Strategy, Saturdays, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. Welcome back. This is Dr. Marlene, and you're watching The High Road on Bold Brave TV Network. My guest today, Dr. Linda Lights, and a financial expert. And Linda, you just always have such good information to share and such great insight into divorce cases. No offense here. I can find financial experts. I can't yeah. find financial experts who have your knowledge and expertise and experience in divorce cases. And that's mostly what we talk about here. So. I appreciate we're benefiting from your knowledge and experience. I appreciate that. Thank you. I enjoy it. 
Yes. Well, there is, you know, when we talk about expertise in divorce cases, there is a lot to know. Yes, there really is. And, and I've even found talking to colleagues who are really good financial advisors and financial planners that when they get me involved, which they do sometimes, sometimes they'll say, but that's not fair. It should be this way. And I have to reply, they don't really care how you and I think it should be, which is such a, a, you know, directive word anyway, it should be this way. Well, the courts have some precedents, some case law, some, mm-hmm. some, some statutes in some cases. Um, and it's, it's built around a sense of logic, more I'll say than perhaps like internal revenue code, but um, you know the the family law does have its sense of logic, and it's intended to be fair. Right, and you said earlier, and this is like the takeaway message: equal is not equitable. Correct. Yeah, they are not synonymous words. They might be the same in a certain case, yeah. but most of the time, they are not going to be synonymous. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's it's the old adage of if you cut the pie, I get to pick the piece, you know, if um, and that's why if if people can come up with their own through mediation or other otherwise negotiation outside of um, a court, a court situation, they get to make the trade offs they want to. Yes, I I would be willing give up equity in the home for more retirement accounts or something like that. But um, if they can't, then a person who has to use their own best judgment, a judge or an arbiter is going to say, because you can't agree, I'm going to make some decisions for you and they're going to, they're going to stick. And that's one of the things that when people are going through a difficult divorce and they feel like, it's just been so hard and they've been mistreated financially, emotionally. However, to say, I want my day in court. I hate to sound this callous, but um, be careful what you wish for because right. it's out very differently than you think it's going to. Yes, I absolutely agree. And people don't realize that they can negotiate outside of the court. But once you take it in the courtroom, now you're going to be bound by, like you said, statutes and case law and rules of thumb or whatever it may be. But um, for example, when people relocate, yes. they often don't realize how that's going to impact child support. And if you take it to court, it's going to go by the, uh, and you correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not the financial expert but it's going to go by the formula in the court, but you can negotiate that outside of the court. And if it isn't horribly unconscionable, the court will accept whatever you agree to. Is that correct? Yeah. And the court, my understanding is um, very much what you said. My understanding too, is that the court doesn't like to see people negotiate child support down. If, uh, if I say, well, I, I, don't know that I can handle 50% of the time with the child because the demands of my career and the way that our marriage was structured, that's, that was part of my gig. That's, Mm -hmm. that's fine. But if you say, let's pay it as if it were pick, pick a number, you know, let's pay it. Let's, let's have child support calculated as if it's 80% of the time with you and 20% of the time with me. 
And if I get more time with the kids, that's great. And we don't have to revisit child support every time that I get an extra overnight or get to take them for a weekend or a vacation or whatever. That's wonderful. Um, Nicole, I will just confess my own bias. When mm -hmm. I'm helping people with the finances of divorce, and they have children who are especially what I would call little minor children at home. And we're going through the financials and we we say, here's here's what the formula for spousal support would be in Colorado. And here's what the child support would be relative to that. And they say, well, what would child support be if I got two extra weekends? That is so the wrong reason to get two extra weekends. Yes. It's right. Right. I, well, and oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I want to hear well, it from, from you. Yes. Well, here's kind of my my perspective and it could be wrong and it could be bad. But my perspective is I see people, for example, want to waive child support. Mm -hmm. If you're waiving 50 bucks a month, the court probably won't care. If you're waiving four or five hundred dollars a month, the court's going to care because it belongs to the children. Yes. And so you've got to be careful in your negotiations. I think there's some leeway there. But that's why I said if the court finds it to be unconscionable, like you're giving away money that belongs to the children and you're going to need that for their care, they're not going to let you do that. Is that correct? That's that's my understanding also. Yeah. And and you brought up and I sort of deflected because <laughs> I got I got going on my bias about if someone moves. Yes. Um, that's the other thing is that um, earlier in the show, we were saying that when you have kids, your life changes. There are certain yes. things you can and can't do. There are some things you must do that you didn't have to do before. And a few things that you lose, quite frankly, a little bit of your control over your schedule, the <laughs> everything from the way your house smells to your schedule sometimes. And um, when there's a divorce, the, you really... It's a it's an unusual configuration of the family. It's a different configuration uh, for the kids and perhaps for you. And uh, some people have to move to either get a good job or to keep a good job. I mean, here in Colorado Springs, as you know, we work with a lot of military couples. Mm -hmm. If you're in the military, you're probably going to move every two to four years. Just count on it. And mm -hmm. If your ex-spouse is not in the military, or even if they are, they're going to have their own deployments, their own, here's where my life is, my job is. And child support is going to be different because parenting is going to be different. If someone doesn't live locally, I mean, if they get transferred from Fort Carson in Colorado Springs to um, Wichita Falls, you can't just do that over a weekend. You can have maybe some vacation time and so forth, but that's going to impact child support. And um, these career moves are in many cases unavoidable or they're a matter of survival for the person who has to take the job away from where the kids have been. Um, it's a different thing if I say, you know, I now that I'm um, not married, I would rather live in... Um, I'm trying to think of something that's reasonable where I could say, well, I can work remotely. So instead of living in Colorado Springs where I live, I'm going to move to, um, to Amarillo. I have family there and friends there. And so I'm going to move there and 
I'm going to take the kids. And the judge may say, not so fast, <laughs> because right. the whole deal was, um, we're going to share parenting. And, um, and you can't just say to your co-parent, you're not going to have time with the kids because I would rather be someplace else. And so that, that's just one of the things that, um, I mean, that, that's an example that I think might make sense because yeah, I'm still having the same job or maybe I changed jobs and now I can work virtually. That doesn't mean that I automatically have the right to, um, take my kids away from their other parents. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, seen both in my own situation, my, my former husband, um, moved, had to move out of state to get a good job. You know, he, he missed seeing his kids and made a lot of efforts to see them. And it was about the time they were emancipated. And so, um, from a legal standpoint, and so we just, you know, we, we didn't, child support wasn't an issue, but he missed seeing his kids. He was able to stay here until they were all, um, over, they were all out of high school. That made a big difference in their, we talked about parenting relationship, but um, he did not argue with me on child support or anything like that. You know, we just, it's, let's just keep it as it was, which was actually me paying him a little something. And then once, once the kids are emancipated, then we will continue to each foster our own emotional relationship with them. And, Mm -hmm. and that's, and I'll just add too, that's when it can, you are in uncharted territory and unregulated territory when it comes to who pays for what. Because yes. if if I want to take the hard nose that, hey, you're, you're an adult, you either in college and I'm supporting you a little bit or you're not and you're on your own, my, my former spouse, my co-parent can't change my mind on that. Or they can't force right. me to do something. And I think that's a good point too, Dr. Marlene. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how does what a parent, what the co-parents pay for, how do you see that impacting the the adult, young adult children? Because it seems like it could be a two-edged sword. It could certainly charge, change, have some sense of this parent doesn't care about me because they're not helping me. It could also be a manipulation on the young adult's part, though. So yes, the young adult child. So what are your thoughts there? Oh, great question. And I will tell you what my thoughts are. If parents will communicate and try to agree on what they are going to continue to pay for, it will go a long way towards, first of all, making your children become independent but also not having them, if you will, pick a parent, choose a parent, because you're willing to can continue to pay for my cell phone bill or my car insurance or my car. And if they can agree, then that will go a long way toward the child becoming independent. And it might be, you know, you don't have to cut them off completely. But sometimes you get parents who one wants to continue paying for everything and the other says, no, I'm paying for nothing. And neither answer is the best answer. But if they can be on the same page and say, "Okay, if you'll get his car insurance while he's in college, I'll get his cell phone bill and 
some spending money each month or something like that and work it out and try to do it again. Here's this word equitably. So the child doesn't perceive that, well, this parent is willing to pay my stuff and this one isn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. That's, that's so good because I do think what, what about the manipulation thing? What do you see young adult kids or teenage kids I'll say doing with that? Because I know by the time, truly young adults, they may not be coming to us. Right. But I will tell you what kids of all ages will do. They will tell parents things that may or may not be accurate, especially if they think the parents are not going to talk to each other. Like mom won't help me with any spending money. That may not be true at all. But then poor dad feels bad for him, feels sorry for him and pulls out his wallet and gives them some spending money and they just played him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It no, happens. Think, yeah. It, not even in divorce. <laughs> Sometimes right. right. And the yes. whole family together of, uh, oh, I really, mom promised me I could do this. And yeah, I know she's out of town visiting her, her mom, but, um, you know, I, she promised me I could go to this thing. Well, okay, you can go. And and like you said, part of that too, it's the parents not communicating. It's also maybe a parent not being entirely involved in what their kids do and what's and knowing how to play, how to read the kids when they're when they are being played. Right, right. Well, and also I'm going to shift gears here just a little bit, but I want to make sure we get this in, and it goes back to people knowing what they don't know. Yes. Before you make any kind of move, and this is especially true with relocation, you need to research the statute of your state or the tendencies. Maybe it's not a statute, but the rules of thumb of your state. And just consult with an attorney or a financial person who works in the courts or a mental health professional who works in the courts and find out what their experience has been. And I don't mean somebody who's worked there for two years, but someone like you or me that has, you know, 20 plus years experience working in the courts, we can tell you what's likely going to happen. And the best example I have, and it breaks my heart always to talk about this case, but a dad moved about 40 miles away thinking he would continue 50-50. And to the court, that's not in the kid's best interest. They're going to be in the car one way every day for 45 minutes, you know, give give or take 10 minutes. You know, there can be wrecks, there can be road construction, weather, you know, whatever. But find out what your court does with that before you make that move. If it's a choice, you know, like you mentioned military people. We are a military town. We have a lot of military people who have no choice when they're PCS, permanent change of station. Right. Uh, they don't they don't have a choice. But people who do and is it maybe a better deal for you? Yeah, it might be like this job is so much better. It will pay so much more. But you better find out what the implications are going to be to parenting time which then affects child support because you might not be coming out ahead to take that job that pays more if you're going to lose parenting time and therefore lose money. 
Yes, that is such a good point. And um, the the other thing that I think it hits on, <coughs> excuse me, and this is a little bit social more than financial, mm -hmm. is um, especially as kids get older and they have their own friend group and they want to go to their school that they've gone to, mm -hmm. you might lose the 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 war excuse me by winning the battle over yes i do get to move mm -hmm. um, the child doesn't want to you know if they don't want to if they don't want to spend summers with you if they don't want to spend weekends with you because all their friends are hanging out where the other parent lives um, yes so i think you have to make and and like you said and and like i said earlier um our lives change when we get kids yes and, um and accommodating what they want may seem silly. Why am I letting a 14-year-old drive my life? Because they're an important part of your life. Yes. Yes. Well, and also, don't think that they're going to tell you how they really feel. They're going to tell you what they think you want to hear. Right. And so it may or may not be what they're telling the other parent. It may or may not be how they really feel. But if they think that's what you want to hear and kids, even at 14, in fact, especially at 14, will tell yeah. each parent what they think you want to hear. Yeah. And so you might find out that, no, they really don't want to go there or they don't want to spend that much time there or this particular time there, whether it's weekday, weekend, summer, whatever. They may not want to be there for that time. Mm hmm. Well, and a, a case like you talked where basically um, if I'm moving from Colorado Springs to Pueblo, say, because it's cheaper there and I have friends there, um, I need to look at if unless my child is old enough to drive, what's that going to do to if I have the if I have them during the school day, if I have them during school week, what's that going to do to my schedule? I need to yes. somehow get them to Colorado Springs from Pueblo. Um, and some of them, I mean, I can list a lot of local towns and that's not really where the, um, where the emphasis is. The emphasis is if we're making a big change and it's going to impact commute times, the ability to be a parenting, mm -hmm. have parenting time half of the time or even two thirds of the time or a third of the time, you know, that kind of split, then I really need to look at, like you said, Am, am I going to lose my job? Am I going to be unemployed if I don't do this? And maybe I have to do that, but it is going to impact my parenting time and that's going to impact my child support. Exactly. Exactly. And this is just stuff people don't think about because again, they don't know what they don't know. And a little bit of research before you make decisions will go a long way. Yes. Well, it's time for another quick break. Our time goes so fast when you're on, but uh, we will be back. This is Dr. Marlene. You're watching The High Road on Bold Brave TV Network. We'll be right back. Did you know that your beliefs create your entire reality, but it's the subconscious beliefs that do most of the creating? Belief Shifter and Life Coach Shiraz can help you identify those limiting beliefs and eliminate them often in a single session. Like it was almost instant, like I had 
relief right away. Creating better health, relationships, careers, and finances. Let Shiraz help you step out of safety and into awareness. Definitely something's happening. Uh, it's like a, a flow inside. Yeah, it feels good. Whether in person or online, Shiraz provides personal coaching, belief shifting. Visit Shiraz at energeticmagic.com or call 416-529-7429. Energetic Magic on the BBM Global Network, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Find your greater happiness. Be well. Be aware. Be magical. Are you struggling to care for elderly parents or a spouse? Do you wonder if being a caregiver is making you sick? Are you worried about taking time off work to care for elderly parents and balance work, life, and caregiving? Has caregiving become exhausting and emotionally draining? Are you an aging adult who wants to remain independent, but you're not sure how? I'm Pamela D. Wilson. Join me for the Caring Generation radio show for caregivers and aging adults, Wednesday evenings, 6 Pacific, 7 Mountain, 8 Central, and 9 Eastern, where I answer these questions and share tips for managing stress, family relationships, health, well-being, and more. Podcasts and transcripts of The Caring Generation are on my website, PamelaDWilson.com, plus my caregiving library, online caregiver support programs, and programs for corporations interested in supporting working caregivers. Help, hope, and support for caregivers is here on The Caring Generation and PamelaDWilson.com. Welcome back. This is Dr. Marlene, and you're watching The High Road on Bold Brave TV Network. My guest again today is Dr. Linda Lights, a financial expert who has lots of experience in the courts and divorce cases. And before we went to break, we were talking about parents not knowing what they don't know. And I can't emphasize enough, and I'm sure you're going to agree, that parents really have to find out what the statutes or, like I said earlier, the tendencies or the rules of thumb. When my husband, and this was, well, we've been married 28 years, so, or it will be this year. Um, so it would have been 28 years ago, because um, when I first met him, the mother of his child was relocating out of state. And the tendency then was to allow kids to go. And then within five years after that, there was something, some wording in the statute that changed and the burden shifted. And I'm not an attorney, so I can't explain this well. Um, and I don't pretend to be an attorney. I always say I know enough to be dangerous. But uh, the wording changed in the statute to where the burden was then on the person wanting to take the child. And I think previously it had been on the one who didn't want them to go to explain why they shouldn't be able to go. Now it became tell the court how it's better for them if they go. And that shifted things and changed things because I remember when that change occurred, telling my husband if it was now that the mother of his child was wanting to leave and take the child, she probably would not get to, but previously she was able to. So back to my point, people need to find out what the statute or just the tendency or rules of thumb 
of the court is. And that's not that hard to find out. Would you agree? I would agree. And I think that's also, and this is a, I guess, kind of a typical thing for a financial professional to say, but the other thing is just what I think is penny wise, pound foolish. Um, you and I both know that sometimes having um, an attorney involved, depending on the attorneys, may rack up fees that might not have been necessary because the couple could have worked things out both from a financial and a, and a parenting perspective themselves. But that whole thing of you don't know what you don't know, uh, avoiding legal fees to keep from ever uh, to, you know, to ever have to avoid paying for an attorney may mean exactly what you said, that there's something here that you don't have a right to do that. You don't have a this is not how this works. Um, one of the worst ones I ever saw from a financial perspective, and it wasn't one of my cases, a colleague shared it, mm -hmm. that um, a, uh, that people weren't clients and they were trying to figure out how to fix this. A husband and wife were divorcing. The wife was entitled to, I, for, I forget the split of the account, but about $100,000 from her soon-to-be ex-husband's um, 401k. And he didn't want to pay for the legal or the financial consulting. So he just took $100,000 out of his 401k and gave it to his wife. Well, there are legal ways to do that that avoid any kind of tax ramifications for either the person surrendering the money or the person who receives it. And not only did was there a tax implication on the $100,000, it was the husband's because he was the one who withdrew the money. So uh. I got $100,000 tax-free. He had to pay tax on that $100,000. I didn't hear from my colleague if, you know, she said, oops, <laughs> let me give some of it back or something like that. So she got a hundred thousand tax free. He got a huge um, ding in his taxes and uh, paying somebody what I've seen lately is probably less than a thousand dollars to do a qualified domestic relations order would have been money well spent. Yes. Would have been a lot cheaper than the taxes on that. Yeah, I, I think the same thing happens with child support, with spousal maintenance, with um, with and the parenting impacts all of those things. Yes. As we were talking about earlier, neither one of us is a big fan of somebody saying, well, I'll adjust the parenting time so I have better child support. No, no. the parenting no. time should be about parenting. It should be about yes. time with children. In but, fact, I've said this. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No. Well, it, it has financial implications, but that's yes. not why the parenting plan should be what it is. What do you say on that? Exactly. I always tell parents, and I've said it on this show before, but I will say it every week because it's a really good point to make. Figure out the parenting time first. Find out what parents really want and are really capable of doing, and then plug in the numbers because if you plug in the numbers first, they are going to change on what they want. And they may not reasonably be able to do what they're asking for. Right, right. And and I agree on that. That that should be first before any of the financial things happen. Mm -hmm. um, I've worked on cases before where who owned the family home, the marital home after the divorce, or how how what the what the disposition of the home was going to be was major because the kids could walk to school and 
that type thing in the house they were in. And if that house got sold, um, then there was going to be, uh, you know, the kids were not going to be as close to their school. They wouldn't be close to their neighborhood friends that were there close. Um, and boy, here's, I'm going to throw a real curveball at you. I don't know how you feel about nesting the, where, um, <laughs> Go ahead. You know what I'm talking about. I sure do. For our yeah. audience who may not know what that means, that means the kids stay in the house and the parents come and go, you know, mom will be there one week, dad will be there the next week. And on the off week, they go somewhere else. It might be a shared apartment that each goes to when they aren't in the home, or it might be a place of their own that is not shared. Um, or they might stay with a friend or family member or whatever. But it always is a disaster from the perspective of what I do. It's a disaster because then parents don't have any privacy. And they always say, the other parent got into my stuff. They found out stuff they had no business trying to find out. And it's like, well, you put yourself in this situation. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's, um, <clears throat> I think that is particularly disastrous if uh, either party starts, either parent starts dating again. Oh, yes. Or, or if they get married. If there's another person that enters the, the picture, that person probably does not want to move every week. Um, right, right. Yeah, the people that I've known that did it said it was, it was a good thought in concept, but was a real mess to live with. Yes. Well, people think it's stable for our children. So let's keep it stable for our children. It is not good nor healthy for the adults. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately that means it's not good or healthy for the kids either. I exactly. Mean, it, right. You know, the and you yes. can probably address this too, the people who say we're staying together for the good of our kids. Being in a household where the parents where the where the marriage is bad is not good for kids. No. And if you think they can't tell, you're fooling yourselves because they can tell. They know when parents are in a good relationship and when they're not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And what kind of role model are we setting by saying, I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to be in a bad relationship. <clears throat> Best thing we can do in terms of relationships is having our kids see good relationships. And that's coming from a financial planner, not a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's so true. It is so true. And just like with nesting, I don't know too many parents who are okay with their ex having somebody else living in the home with them, whether it's a boyfriend or girlfriend or new husband or wife, they are not going to want somebody else living in that home with them. No, no, absolutely. It's hard to fool ourselves. Yes, we yeah. fool ourselves is exactly right. You said it perfectly. Yes, yes. And I think what you were going to say is it's hard enough to go through this stuff without those kinds of things. And so, yeah, we want to watch what we ask for, like you said. Be careful what you ask for, absolutely. Yes, yes. Well, I can't believe we are out of time, but Linda, it's always so good to have you here. And we will have you back. So thank you so much for being here. And thank you. Yes, you bet. This is Dr. Marlene. You've been watching The High Road on Bold Brave TV Network. We'll see you next week. 
Tune in to The High Road with host Dr. Marlene and gain insight into how to rise above tough circumstances and learn the skills that will help you take the high road in your life, no matter what challenges might come your way, on the next episode of The High Road.